0: Welcome to As Told Here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As Told Here brings community media to where you are. Welcome to Out of the Dark.
1: I'm Jane. And I'm Joan. And tonight's topic is the stigma against mental illness. And Joan's gonna share with us one definition. Before I share that definition, Jane, I just want to tell people we're advanced practice registered nurses with over three decades of experience, including experiencing the stigma of mental illness. Getting a little bit worse And worse. Probably worse, which I don't understand. It originated from the Greek word stizen, a recognizable sign made by burning or cutting a part of the skin of a less valued member of society with the aim of distinguishing him or her from the rest of the members of society. What you're saying, Joan, basically a stigma is some sign of social unacceptability. With years ago having a physical sign, and of course we've noticed that with other prejudices and stigmas, that people would literally ta- tattoo somebody or have a s- sign on them. Where's this stigma coming from? Society? Society, the way it's depicted in the media, uh, they pick the worst scenarios and sometimes even magnify it. Um, in the news, the news always glorifies mm-hmm. or the, the horror stories that are out there. Right. But, Joan, you know, I know you know this. It's not just society and other people out there. No. No. No, sadly enough, it's It's practitioners as well. the medical community and not just the medical community, the psychiatric community. So no wonder nobody's getting treatment or searching for treatment, Right. right? Right. What we have noticed, the less stigmatizing we are towards people, the more people are willing to open up and share things that they wouldn't normally share out of embarrassment, shame, being judged, etc. Yes, I've definitely noticed that. Haven't you noticed that? A lot of people are going to primary care or the emergency room because they just either are ashamed to go or embarrassed to go to psychiatry or they don't even know what's wrong. It's very common when people suffer from severe anxiety they go right to the emergency room thinking they're having a heart Heart attack. attack. Exactly. And sometimes they're shocked when the doctor or other provider says so how long have you have been suffering from anxiety and they're shocked by that well, a lot of times now the treatment i think you're saying is either ineffective not, uh, mildly effective and maybe not a lot of follow-up so how can we sort of get this people coming for treatment people being non-judgmental I, you know i think there should be a class in every program of any type of counseling whatsoever or, yeah if any med school Unhapp, nurse practitioner programs, nurse practitioner PA programs. programs, licensed clinical counselors, etc., social workers, um, because we're hum- we're only human. We tend to judge someone in the first few minutes that they're with us, and that's I'm not talking about in a clinical setting. Anywhere we go, we're judging. Judging is a strong opinion. So of course we are. This is what I do. I know you do this too, Joan, because we kind of like we do do this well tell me what we do if i'm having an overly liking somebody day or an overly disliking somebody day i need to check myself and often that's the time i'm going to check with my colleagues which you are one of my colleagues um just so that we don't unintentionally judge that person because once there's judgment there's less care or inappropriate care and less effective treatment less effective treatment but i think we should educate the primary care doctors to refer uh, gynecologists refer. How do, how do they recognize it, though? That's where it's going to be included in the school that you're building, <laughs> that you want in every school. So now we just really said quite a lot that even the psychiatric health care professionals, as being only human, are often judging as well. Let's say that one in five Americans have mental illness. That's a lot. I'll, yeah, that's, that's a, huge. That's huge. So they go to their primary care and get treatment? A lot of times they don't know what they're even feeling. They don't know what depression is. They don't know that this, this general sadness that's a little bit different than um, the sadness when your pet dies or your loved one dies, this sort of underlying sadness or this high anxiety, they don't know what it's like to not feel that. So they're not identifying it. I think we need to start teaching people at, at, when they're young in school in community-based programs I think people need to know the signs that therefore they can maybe get earlier treatment and better treatment right let's just say stigma keeps people from going to get treatment for fear of being labeled mm-hmm. and then how does that end up affecting the entire United States huge costs Huge. the costs of people repeatedly going to the emergency room, repeatedly going to their primary care doctor and now being worked up for all kinds of physical things with, with the ignorance of not being able to ref, know when to refer out. And there's so many docs, nurses, uh, clinicians, psychologists that know exactly when to refer out. And there's some really good clinicians out there. But I think that we all need a little bit more education. I think with that has improved today, I don't think stigma has improved today, but I do understand we get a lot more referrals from doctors. One psychiatrist said that it's usually nine times that a primary care will refer somebody to psych before that person actually goes. So you're saying nine visits. Yes. Yes. And then they they refer out approximately. And that's a huge cost as well. Mm -hmm. And the fact if they don't get the treatment, they are one of the, for mental illness, they're one of the highest costs for SSI and SSDI. Does everyone know what that is? Social Security disability is when somebody's probably severely mentally ill and they they get on disability. And SSI is Social Security income. So there's where the huge costs are coming from. I have another um, amazing... Statistic that economists were asked globally to estimate the cost of mental illness and projected from today's numbers to maybe 20 to 30 years from now and they believe that mental illness cost would be greater than all diabetes, respiratory disorders and all cancers combined. Well that's quite that is shocking. That and, is shocking. And I hope that's, that's not ridiculous. I hope that's not the case. I hope I hope I hope, hope it's not. The stigma comes from and there's a stigma against a lot of things but uh, focusing on mental illness, what we don't understand, we tend to fear. We tend to judge, um, and then keeping ourselves ignorant just permeates through every part of society. Mm-hmm. And if it's one in five people, then we all know somebody. We all know somebody. I know more than five people, so obviously yeah. I know people. With yes, I know, I know at least six people. <laughs> <laughs> so what can we do to? to um, end this stigma, or at least put a dent in it, talk about it, educate ourselves. Practitioners, please stop thinking that you you already you went to school, you've got 30 years experience. Oh, let's talk about us. We're always looking at ourselves. We're always looking going for continuing education. We, we pretty much are on this uh, plight to break that stigma. And one of the ways to break it is let's look at the people that have come out and, and admitted that they have a mental illness. And I really respect the, some of those people, most of all of those people. Joan, can you list a few? Sure. Carrie Fisher. Princess Leia. Right. Brooke Shields. Postpartum depression. That was big. That's a real biological disorder, and what a safety issue. And the women that don't seek help, mm-hmm. that, that's a crime. There was also an NFL football player, Brandon Marshall, NFL football player, um, Demi Lovato, They all, she speaks out as well, singer-actress, and Clara Hughes, um, Canadian, not American, Olympic speed skater. Those three are really speaking out with campaigns. I can add that recently in the White House, the Surgeon General came mm-hmm. out and asked people because somebody within his family, extended family, committed suicide, he wanted people to use themselves, teachers, doctors, nurses, lawyers, garbage collectors, plumbers. If you suffer from a mental illness, why is it so shameful to come out yourself? So obviously we, we might feel judged, but we do use ourselves. So why is common practice with AA, or na alcoholics anonymous and narcotics anonymous why is it so widely accepted that the people who treat them come out and say i'm in recovery yet we as practitioners in psychiatry it's frowned upon if we come out and say by the way i suffer from anxiety or i suffer from depression or i have suffered from depression i can help There, someone i i have respected for many <clears throat> many years uh besides writing sophie's choice mm mm-hmm. He wrote a book called um, Darkness Visible and that's William Styron who's passed away and Darkness Visible is really about his own depression and how he describes the horror of his debilitating disease and I really respect that he came out and and talked about it a lot. And there's a psychiatrist that came out and she's an identical twin and her identical twin Uh, suffered from schizophrenia and she did not people might think that identical twins would have the same things but actually We don't the environment. and and our experiences can can affect our DNA of course besides uh, coming out and talking about it educating ourselves um, What are anything else you can think of how about just being kind to one another? how many times does somebody behave just a little bit differently a little bit offbeat and people shun them when they say that they suffer from anxiety or depression or just odd behavior. Either. I mean, I don't know about odd, different. Good point. <laughs> who's gonna Who's gonna start this? Am I gonna say it or no? I can say it. I've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder formally from age 35. I probably had it before then. And. Oh, did I get treatment? No. 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 Could, did you even know prior to? That you no. had it. did you have any clue no I really <laughs> didn't I knew that thing, something was wrong I did Definitely. like if a leaf dropped from that tree I would have jumped I don't think it's gonna drop, drop from this tree <laughs> <laughs> so and you Jane well what I know now that I didn't know then as well as you know is I was probably an anxious kid and then I suffered from mild depression for many years and one of my favorite clues, um, and let's not be judgmental, is in fifth grade my school photo. When I brought it home, um, mommy or daddy, I'm not sure which one said it, is if Jane, if you don't start smiling in your pictures, we're not going to buy them. Ugh. Now I'm not judging. That was good for me to hear because it it almost validated why am I like that? What you know. It helped me to sort of be on a quest to discover why is it that I was in um, college in, in, in a bar with a couple of friends, and uh, the guy was coming up to me, and this has happened many times before I got treatment. I thought the gentleman was going to talk to me, and instead they leaned in and said, it's not that bad, is it? And they walked away. I still didn't know what it was. I still didn't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, (laughs) because did you get treatment? No, (laughs) absolutely not. When did you finally get treatment? After doing a little bit of medical nursing, I, of course, had to go into psychiatry because you know why we go into these professions. A lot of times an oncologist went in because a loved one died of cancer or had cancer, and I know that I went into psychiatry to try to figure this little brain out, this big brain. I still didn't get treatment. (laughs) No, no. A little embarrassed, a little embarrassed. Didn't know who to go to, who to tell. Um, Felt like people might say, um, what's that famous line? Pick yourself up by the bootstraps or something like that. Or snap out of it. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. I I tried. Hiddenly. So, Jane, I know you've done some medical nursing. I think there was a... You had a great point where somebody came in suffering from some type of physical problem. Did I I say this already, Joan? To me, she was sent immediately to psych because she had a psychiatric history and almost died. They had to transfer her really fast to the emergency room Um, again. Quite unfortunately, the, the stigma is so great that there, I'm, there's countless times. Once you are documented to have any type of mood disorder, schizophrenia, all, all psychiatric disorders, including the personality disorders, now once they click that button or open that chart and see that somewhere along the line, many patients didn't get the, the proper physical care the worst scenario I've ever heard of was mm-hmm. This to, is what I'm waiting for. Oh, this is the one. Yep. This happened many years ago, and, and we've obviously gotten better. Uh, hospital screenings is better. Primary care is better. Two women walk into an emergency room. I will not say what state it was in, but it was the United States. Um, two walk into the emergency room. One is, has, is carrying a mental health diagnosis. The other was not. They both said they had been um, sexually assaulted, one right through the rape kit, the police, et cetera, uh, victim support. The other girl was delayed. Other woman was delayed for so many hours in the psychiatric portion of the emergency room that when a young resident, who um, I applaud, came in and looked at her chart and said, what are you doing here, and brought her over to medicine, and it was too late to do the rape kit. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, that can't be anymore. So, uh, again, I want to go back to the Surgeon General. He's asking, you know, teachers, us, other doctors, do you think they'll come out? Oh, I sure hope so, uh, because I'm going to come out even stronger. Just pause on my own uh, diagnosis of depression and PTSD. Yes, I have PTSD as well. (laughs) <laughs> um, unfortunately, a woman was suffering a TIA, a, a mini-stroke. Mm-hmm. And because she had a psychiatric history, was pretty much told to go, it was anxiety. Now, there wasn't a lot of treatment anyway, people can have a mini-stroke, but what if it was a major stroke? It's kind of hard to, to um, swallow some of this. We're in the profession, we see it all the time, we're all, you know, good, good people. Uh, and meaning, meaning to do intentionally good things uh, are messing up, as well as I'm sure you and I have messed up. No. No, not us, right? But no, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking, when did I get um, help? Oh, I think the family said you best get some help. I think you're right. And I think you told me to get help. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I think it was somebody I was in a relationship with. He said he was leaving unless I got help. You told me that nobody wanted to be around me anymore, Uh, and that I should go talk to somebody. That (laughs) That was so mean of me. I said the same thing to you at some point, Joan. How long of a process was it for you to get care, and did you get better? Are you in remission, et cetera? Remission would mean free of symptoms. I'm in remission. So it took about... 20 years
0: only? <laughs> only 20 years, oh my God.
1: <laughs> Think of the quality of life that you could have had. Think about, you know, I don't know about you, but I could say for me, um, some failed relationships, poor parenting. Mm, that's one of the reasons I got treatment, was I, um, my son was young. And I was noticing that he was very happy to see um, <laughs> my twin sister Joan over here, um, because she was the happy version of mommy. Yeah, so that prompted me to get a little help, too. But, you know, I got the old style of care. I got an old style of care of, um, you know, good therapy, but an algorithm that says try this medicine first, then try this one and this one, then go to class B, then try class C, and, you know, things are changing on on that end as well. So it took me 20 years as well Mm -hmm. um, uh, to be in full remission. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations to you too, Joan. I congratulate anyone who can come out and just say, yes, I've suffered from that. I've suffered from depression and I got help. Great. (laughs) Who else suffered from depression and came out? Billy Joel, Abe Lincoln. President Lincoln, his friends supposedly were uh, very uh, um, fearful that he might even suicide. I mean, look at the, the deadly consequences of untreated mental illness, deadly. I mean the suicide, it's I, I've thought of it I would never do it because I feel like I'm a bit of a wimp um, but I've thought of it I think most people have they might say I've never thought of suicide but sometimes if I ask but did you ever wish you weren't here anymore mm, that was me on a regular <laughs> basis upon awakening upon awakening it was dreadful Oh no not another day I didn't know how to face the other day so one of the things I did was immerse myself in school because that was something I could do and that just prolonged this absence of treatment although going into psychiatry certainly did um, educate me a lot kind of like you know do we tell um, someone with cardiac disease um, that they're not sick or someone with cancer Do we tell them not to be sick? But no, we tell someone who's depressed or anxious to just stop it, don't be like that. And there's not enough support out there for people right now to know what to do. The support might be there, it's just I think it's still that the stigma is such a dark cloud that a lot of people are embarrassed. I'd like everybody to not be embarrassed about it. Uh, Joan and I um, our masters prepared Joan has two master's degrees, Uh, we are successful businesswomen, and I'm the mother of a child and I suffered for too many years from depression and post-traumatic stress without good enough treatment or any treatment at all. And now I can't believe it's in the latter half of my life that I now know what it's like to not feel depressed and to not have that little exaggerated startle that I had. Oh, I had the largest exaggerated startle. Oh, you couldn't even go to Joan's apartment and knock on the door, and she knows my voice. It sounds just like hers, right? Right. And I'd be like, hey, Joan, and there would go the dishes. (laughs) But, yeah, finally um, you get help, and then inadvertently, if you're on medicine, you're inadvertently learning some coping skills. So that's always helpful, too. Remember, we can't live anxiety-free. You have to have a touch of anxiety to be moving around, working, and doing that. Yeah, to get up off a chair. But, uh, again, with the stigma, sometimes this can be dangerous, too. You know, one girl was on four antidepressants, and she was hospitalized for something called serotonin syndrome. That's Uh, a lot of antidepressants, John. Yes, but isn't it interesting that she didn't know she was on them because her gynecologist was uh, prescribing her Prozac, but under an an alternative (laughs) name, (laughs) Seraphim, her... Which was for? Depression, from from her gynecologist. She was on Wellbutrin to quit smoking, that's called Zyban. She ended up being on Elavil. A lot of docs will say, and nurse practitioners, oh, this is for sleep. Always tell the person, sure, it has a sedative effect, but by the way, it's an antidepressant tell that person. And then the fourth one she was on, what antidepressant would somebody be on um, for pain? Cymbalta. So she ended up with a serotonin syndrome, which is horrible. It ended up being an emergency hospitalization and she was in the hospital for at least 10 days. So four antidepressants with no communication. So now you're saying that the the, um, clinicians were not communicating with each other. Not only that, but why is it such a stigma to say uh, serafem is an antidepressant? And I just want to let you know the other name of it's Prozac, because uh, maybe she tried Prozac in the past and it didn't work. By the way, Cymbalta is not a pain reliever; it's an antidepressant that assists with masking pain. By the way, Zyban is to help you quit smoking, but mm, it's also an antidepressant. And then uh, so on and on and on. Mm. People are so frightened of anything that affects above the neck. Oh, but how fast, neck below, they'll go to a walk-in clinic immediately. But, you know, FYI, we have more serotonin receptors below the neck than we do above the neck. Um, Blood pressure medications are famous for altering mood and having a lot of side effects. Erectile dysfunction, a lot of times people will blame the antidepressant, and sometimes it's the antihypertensive. Yeah, a lot of cardiac medications, um, including just having a a heart attack, can um, increase depression. When somebody's put on interferon for an autoimmune or something going on with their bodies, that particular medicine causes depression so quickly that oftentimes that provider will say, you need to go to psych. I'm putting you on interferon, but you need to be on an antidepressant. Accutane can cause. Depression. For acne? Mm hmm. You actually have to. Steroids, just mm-hmm. basic prednisone, mm-hmm. um, can either cause depression, it can induce a hypomanic episode, and if you don't drink, uh, if you don't hydrate, it can cause psychotic symptoms. So again. But people will take those meds okay. in a New York second. I, I understand why people are afraid of some of the psych meds. I mean, like I said, the way I was placed on them, it was just kind of like, okay, Prozac, Paxil. Um, this one that one and again i'm not trying to down anyone you know i um, i just think we need to stop these seven and a half medication visits and spend more time with the client so that we can better medicate the client oftentimes it'll be quarter of or the whole hour yes and the person will say oh and by the way i'm on such and such a med it's like really Now, let's tear those scripts off because there's a drug-to-drug interaction, but they're afraid to come out and say it. Yes. They have white coat syndrome with medical professionals, and they have, we don't wear white coats, the white coat syndrome. uh, That looks white. With psychiatric um, professionals as well because people are so afraid that they're going to be judged. The scarlet letter, that's one of the first times that um, she was made to wear an A. For adultery talk about ah. stigma mm-hmm. and the community shunned her talk about inducing a depressive episode probably with that there's a, a phrase that's very judgmental and it's called suicide by cop and in his article he mentioned is it suicide by cop or is it suicide by society because if the if society accepted mental illness just as they would accept a broken bone or cancer or diabetes, that person could have gotten treatment. Instead, they they were so distraught and felt that there was such hopelessness and helplessness to even get treatment. They've gone and got themselves into trouble and pull out something. It's not often it's not often a gun because they would like to have the cop shoot him and then the police officer then has to go through his own tr- his or her own treatment because that is so traumatic what a great point you're bringing up thanks wouldn't <laughs> we rather people know yeah what ptsd is what depression is because a lot of times you're right and 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 we're so afraid of medication and uh, we have turned into a pill nation for every other medical disorder and people are so frightened to get the treatments and and you know what I'm gonna say the psychiatric pharmaceuticals aren't perfect yeah (laughs) from experience but they're way better than 30 years ago of course would you rather have someone medicated for their PTSD before they put on a uniform and carry a gun or your your cousins next door that have lived the street life and they have PTSD and don't even know it before they have um, a gun on their presence to get assessed and some treatment and unfortunately some people have been on too many psych meds or the wrong psych meds and then have actually committed some crimes because of adverse reactions it's terrible I mean there is that black box warning and that could add to the stigma too how could a med Cause suicidal thoughts I mean I would be afraid to try that as well Mm. not really because I've tried them I wasn't afraid at all I wasn't one of those that looked up all the side effects because if aspirin Jane yes had to be FDA approved that's a joke among the medical community had to be FDA approved today it wouldn't pass but how many people feel so comfortable oh I just take a baby aspirin every day
0: oh wow
1: and it only takes just a little bit of extra Tylenol every day over the maximum to cause liver, permanent liver damage and or death. Speaking of that darn medicine cabinet, these depressed children and and adolescents, it's so easy to take a Tylenol overdose or to go in the medicine cabinet oh, I and take other things. Oh, I have a statistic on children. Mood disorders, the third most common cause of hospitalizations in the United States for people, i have no wrong. It wasn't for children, ages 18 to 44. To wrap this up, thank you for sharing your mental illness, Joan. Thank you for sharing yours. You're very welcome. And And I want
0: to thank Brooke Shields for sharing hers. And everybody else. Thanks to our local producers and Team Hercules for production support. As told here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As told here, brings community media to where you are.